So last week I made the comment in my sermon that uh, if I could ever find a mask that says I wear this for Jesus and for you, I'd buy me one of those. And I think it was like about 8 o'clock on Sunday evening last week that uh, Lori got a text uh, from Shelly, Madison's mom, and says, hey, I got something for you. Well, I didn't know what she had for me, but I was out the door telling Lori, text her and said, I'm on my way, you know. And uh, I got down there, and this is what she had for me. And uh, I tell you what, I, uh, I just love it. I love the fact that I can let people know without, you know, telling them, because that's an awkward thing, right? But let them know that Jesus has got me in this thing, you know. He's the one I'm wearing this thing for. Um, not this side or that side, but just the side of Jesus. And uh, it also has been pretty beneficial because everywhere I go, now that I actually display that, uh, I have to be really careful about my actions and what I say, <laughs> right? Uh, which is help, helpful too. I mean, it's healthy. And uh, so I just love that thing. And uh, I love, you know, uh, I actually uh, kind of don't forget to wear it now, uh, which is kind of nice too. But Anyhow, I had to display that, and I really appreciate Shelly for doing that for me. So we are going to transition a little bit. Uh, We're going to move away from focusing on, I mean, we're always going to focus, this sounds really weird as I'm saying it, but we're always going to focus on God's kingdom. But we were just in a series, you know, His Kingdom, My Choice, and we're going to move from that. Uh, back to just re- re- being reminded again what our overall theme for the year is, and that is uh, 2020, His Mission, Our Vision, right? And uh, one of the things for sure that is God's mission in this world is to magnify His mercy. He, that's just His desire, and so therefore it has to be part of our vision as well as we move through there. So I want to just take the next couple of weeks, uh, kind of a transition time to just go back to that um, uh, series, you know, the overarching series of the year, his uh, mission, our vision, and look at a few things that just kind of pertain to that. So today we're going to look at, you know, magnifying his mercy. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 19, actually, we're going to be in 13 all the way through 19. Uh, we're not going to read all of that, obviously, but, uh, but we are going to look at Lot and his family and Abraham uh, is what we are going to look at today. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way back up to the top. And so we're going to start in Genesis 19, uh, verse 14 through 19. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to be married to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting or joking. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. He lingered. So the the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and the Lord, being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out and said, Escape for your life. Do not look back. Stop anywhere in the valley. Or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords. 
Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness or mercy in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills lest a disaster overtake me and I die. The first mention of the word mercy is right here. You know, as you're traveling through the Bible, this is going to be the first place that you encounter this word. Mercy or merciful, uh, showing mercy. In verse 16, it's there. Verse 19, it's there. Let me start just by giving you a couple definitions of the word mercy. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So somebody that has done something that wrong and deserves to be punished, but the person who could punish decides not to, shows compassion instead. Mercy can be defined as compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to the one subject to one's power. So with the definition, it's no wonder that uh, uh, we are talking about what here. Because when I first started looking at this passage, I was just like, you know, it's so surprising that God is showing mercy to somebody that does not deserve it. But that's the whole point of mercy, right? Is finding someone who does not deserve it and then showing them kindness or compassion. It's like it takes that in order for it to be shown. There's three things I want to point out about Lot, and then we will move into some applications. So the first thing that I want you to see here is that God was merciful in spite of Lot's selfish striving. We see that in chapter 13, verses 7 through 11. And, and if you read through that, or if you just kind of go, go there, and you're just looking over that, what you're going to see is that that's the beginning of kind of our, our introduction to Abraham and Lot. And Abraham and Lot are, are family, and they have built up this big empire, I mean, of all kinds of servants and animals and, and everything. And there was all this strife that was going on among Abraham's servants and, you know, workforce and Lot's servants' workforce uh, and they were beginning to bicker between one another. Now, Abraham is the one because he, I think he feels responsible. He's the leader of this whole group and spiritual leader. And he goes to Lot and he starts telling him, Lot, there's too much fighting and strife among our people. We got to figure out something here. And then Abraham suggests, you know, that they just kind of go their separate ways. That's not what Abraham wants, but he realizes that they're not going to be able to live together. There's, they're too big, there's too many, and there's too much strife. What's, what's interesting to me is that Lot doesn't say a word. You know, he doesn't offer, like, a solution, or maybe we can talk to our people, or, or anything. It just... And I think that's the whole point of why Abraham suggested it. this is the only thing that there was to do. But it's interesting to me that Lot is not trying to participate in a solution here. It kind of indicates, especially if you know the whole story of Lot, this, this seems to be the first beginning stages of, of Lot being selfish in nature. You know, he sees it maybe as an opportunity to pull away from Abraham and to prosper and continue to build his empire the best that he can. God, Abraham says, look, there's this direction and there's this direction. This direction is really nice. 
And this direction isn't too bad either, but which do you want? Well, you know which one a lot chose, don't you? The best, for sure. And that's the direction that he took his group. But there just seems to be just not a, a, a submissive heart about Lot. As you're looking through this and you're just studying and contemplating it, this seems like there's not any, like, Abraham, what can I do to make this better? Is there anything that, you know, I can do to help or anything like that? It just seems like there's just this selfish striving uh, from Lot. The second thing I want you to see here is the, the scary shelter that he provides for his family. You see this in chapter 14, verse 12. And since it's one verse, let me read it. It says, But they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. So Lot moved to his, you know, promised land, so to speak. He ends up settling there in Sodom. And when you read through this section, you're going to find that there is a whole group of kings, several kings in this area and several kings in this area, and they are in war against one another. And here's Lot just caught right smack dab in the middle of this. It doesn't appear that he is siding with either side. He is just kind of a bystander in the midst of this war, which you have to wonder Lot, what are you thinking? You have all of this area, and you go to a city that is corrupt, which we'll look at in a minute, and you put your family in danger. You, you put them in this turmoil that you don't even have any, you know, anything to do with. Why is it that you would provide them with such thing as that? You know, one of the greatest responsibilities of a man, I believe, is to provide protection for his family is to make sure that he is the one overlooking and making sure that his family has a safe environment and, and everything is best that he best at his abilities, the best that he can do. You know, First Timothy chapter five, let's just look at a couple of verses about this. First Timothy five eight it says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Who do you think that responsibility is on to make sure that that is achieved? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, or 25, 525, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Jesus do for the church? I mean, he gave his life for the church, but he was protecting the church. He was looking out for the church. He was making sure that the church was taken care of. He was the only one that was able to do that. He knew that, right? And now that responsibility is passed on to who? To do that to their wives, and that is the husband. And in verse 28 of that same passage, it says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, it's, there's no way that we would argue that we protect ourselves. We try to look out for ourselves. We might not even really care too much about ourselves, and yet we are still going to make sure that we are not in harm's way and that we are in somewhat of a safe environment. And that's the kind of, you know, enthusiasm that we should have for the people in our lives. And I get a lot of women, you know, might be insulted by me just making the comment that men are responsible for the safety of their household because, you know, we live in a day that women, some women, not all by any means, just don't like that whole concept that you think that, that they, you know, have some other responsibility. 
And I also know that, you know, times change. Sometimes women don't have that because the husband stepped out of the covenant relationship that he made and, and the responsibility that he once had is no longer his because he's not even in that right. And so therefore the woman has to take the responsibility of trying to be the protector, you know, the, the uh, person who is trying to secure safety and stuff for the household. But I just believe that I genuinely feel, feel that this is what God would want from man, is to protect, be a protector. I think that when you read through the Bible, you would just see it over and over and over that this is the responsibility that God has laid upon man, is to be the protector. So Lot appears to be careless at this. You know, he, he appears to lack preparation. I mean, he could have done a better job, I think it's pretty obvious. And what happens because he, he is careless and he's risky in providing this for his family, he, he and his family get captured, all of their possessions. And if it was not, you read the story, but if it was not for Abraham, who would have known what would have happened to Lot, right? I'm sure not good things. But Abraham sends all of his mighty men and rescues his nephew lot from his silliness his stupidity of putting his family at risk you know first chronicles chapter 10 verse 13 it says so saul because saul was i think had some things in common as lot but it says so saul died for his breach of faith his breach of faith he broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the commands, command of the Lord and also consulted a med- medium seeking guidance. You see, Saul started out listening to God in the early stages of his relationship with God. And when he was a king at the beginning, he was a good king. But then somewhere and something happened that led Saul's heart away from God and he began to seek advice and he started listening to other voices besides God's voice. And all of a sudden he breached his faith. And that's when God brought up David, right, to replace him because of that. And it seems like they have a little bit in common here because Lot, I think, Started out, you know, just with a good heart too, but somewhere he just started listening and started being guided and directed by his own heart, which, you know, that's just not what we want to do. Our own hearts will always lead us astray. I believe that that is true. There would be no reason for Jesus to come and rescue us if we had hearts that were always following after the Lord. We will just stray away without, you know, God's participation, without Jesus we have to always listen to the voice of God and his reasoning and things of that sort. So, you know, I, I think that that's one of the reasons that it's been so important for us to pause for a little bit and just go through what we went through and just look at God's word and say, God, how do you want us, how do you want us, what do you want us to respond? How do you want us to deal with all that is going on in our chaos, all this world stuff going on right now. Because let me tell you, if you're following your heart, you're going to be little bit, little bit, little bit guided and directed by something that's got to do with the world, like the world is trying to speak into our lives. We just got to make sure that we are listening to the voice of God. 
you know, what does God's word say about how to handle these situations and stuff like that? Because it just happens a little bit and slowly. And next thing you know, you're investing everything into what the world is trying to say to you. And I think that that's one of the things that happened here. Here's the third thing. So we have this selfish striving. We have this scary shelter that he provided for his family. And the last thing is, is he, we see this soiled surroundings for which he chose to raise and, and to live in with this family. Well, you see this in chapter 19, one through nine. And I'm not going to read through it, but let me tell you, when you read through that, you are there's no way to ever put that into a movie without at least getting at least getting a rated R uh, rating, right? Uh, because it is crazy. The, the place that he was living was some of the worst environment that you could have ever found during the time. His time and even today, as much as you think that there is a lot of... Uh, ungodliness in our world this would have been like the hub of it and there was some crazy things that were going on in the midst of this place and and this is where he pitched his tent now he had he didn't wasn't just when he chose what he chose when Abraham and him split ways he could have chose whichever direction he wanted, but even when he chose the direction, he didn't have to settle at Sodom and Gomorrah. He had so much more area, right? But this is where, according to chapter 13, verse 12, it says this is where he settled his tent, was in Sodom. It was wicked. It was ungodly. It was in a filthy environment. Even the Apostle Paul referred to this as a terrible environment. Here in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7, it says... And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was, listen to this, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. He was uncomfortable with where he was living, yet he continued to live there, Right? I mean, he knew that this was like the worst environment for his own righteous soul, but obviously the worst environment to, to raise kids and think that kids would end up coming out of that, you know, loving God and not being corrupt, and yet this is where he set up home. Yet, and this is what we're wanting to talk about, right, yet... God's mercy in the midst of this, all this striving and all of this, you know, uh, place where he set up that was just filthy and everything about the things that, that Lot chose, still God showed his mercy to this man and his family. And I, I just got to pause for a minute and just tell you that that is encouraging to me. The more that I look into the story, the more that I contemplate Lot, the more that I am encouraged by Lot in a strange way, because I'm just thinking, if Lot could be shown mercy, then maybe God will show me mercy. You know, when, when I read through, I think it really started, helped me understand when I was reading through Second Peter, because I wanted to make Lot worse than what Lot was. I mean, not that he is a good guy. I'm not saying that. 
But I wanted to paint you a picture of him that was terrible. And as I went through that, I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm painting a picture worse than what Scripture gives me. But I want him to be really bad. And then I came across this Second Peter passage, and it says, righteous lot. And then it just kept using that word for righteous, you know, like his righteous heart was tormented. I don't want him to be righteous. But then it was just like the Holy Spirit started helping me understand that we all need mercy. We all do. I do. Because I know I have made some of the same stupid mistakes in my day. The same types of things. Being in places I should not be. Striving about things I should not be striving about. You know, just just making life too much about my surroundings and getting caught up in all of that. And I'm just glad that God still participated in lots because it encourages me that he'll continue to participate with me and give me mercy. I want us to move to the application that I see in this scripture. Some things that we can apply and to take home and so here's the first thing is that God's mercy has been magnified in you if he has blessed you with people that pray for you I don't want you to think that I don't I don't want you to turn me tune me out I don't want to think that that is not rocket science because it is I mean I want you to just really think about this for a second God's mercy was magnified in Lot not because Lot deserved it he deserved nothing but because Lot had somebody in his life that was praying for God to be merciful. How important do you think that is? Abraham was praying for Lot. Lot had no idea Abraham was praying for him. This was before Facebook and texting and all of these things that you can let people know, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, just hang in there. Abraham was praying for Lot, and Lot had no idea that Abraham was praying for him. Lot was not even praying for himself. There's no indication in Scripture that even in the midst of all the bad choices and the surroundings that he was in, that he was praying for God's protection, that he was praying for God to have mercy and show mercy. But he had somebody praying for him. Let me tell you something. If, some, if there's somebody praying for God to show mercy upon you, you, that is such an amazing place to be. I love it when I talk to my mom and my mom tells me, I've been praying for your ministry, Mike. I've been praying for you guys. Because for one, I actually believe that she is doing that. Now, there's times that we use that word just for conversation, I think. You know, I'm praying for you. And we just know they mean best. Like, I mean the best for you. I think sometimes we even have these great intentions. Like, we know, we really believe that when we leave this conversation, I'm actually going to spend some time praying for you. But then it just doesn't happen. But let me tell you, when you really have somebody in your life that is praying for you, that gives you such an amazing advantage because God listens to that. 
So husbands, if you have a wife that is praying for you, God's mercy is going to be magnified in your life. That is just going to be. And, and why is if you have a husband that is praying for you, God's mercy is going to be magnified in your life. And children, if you have a parent that is praying for you, God's mercy is just going to be magnified in your life. That is just the way this works. We, can, we don't understand it, but we can move the hand of God. And so Abraham... We didn't even get to the scripture, but Abraham, praise. And how come I can't find it? Oh. Yeah, starting in verse 22, I was looking a little further. Chapter 18, verse 22. I just want to read a little bit of this. He says, So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it that from you... Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And you read on, and then Abraham is like, Well, what about what if there's 45 there? Will you kill all of them just, just and include the 45 righteous people there? And God says, If there's 45, I, won't, I will spare the city. And then Abraham's like, Well, what if there's 40? <laughs> And then he started jumping from tens, right? He was going by fives, and then all of a sudden, what if there's 30? What if there's 20? And every time God said, if there's 30, I will spare me. If there's 20, I will spare me. He says, what if there's 10? (laughs) And God said, if there's 10, Abraham, I will spare them. And then God left Abraham. But the point is, is that Abraham was seeking God on behalf of who? Lot. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to have somebody praying for you like that? I mean, to just ask, know that somebody's constantly asking God to show mercy to you. Especially now that we've already settled that we all need mercy, right? But we don't deserve it. So there's... So I, I want to try to create a place that God's mercy will continue to grow and that we will experience it even more than what we experience it here at Westside. And so that's what your popsicle sticks are for. They're not popsicle sticks. They're not tongue suppressors either because I called every pharmacy within 10 miles uh, and uh, they didn't have any. But I found these in the craft place. And what I would like to try to introduce from now until the end of the year is that we pray for one another and we pray for God's mercies to be upon one another. 
here's what I want us to try to do. So I went ahead and filled out mine, and whoever picks this up is going to have to have a magnifying glass. They're going to be like, how did you get so much information on that stick? Um, and I did, and my topic is my children. I, I start off just saying, please pray that God will continue to direct the hearts of my children. And my children are going through a lot of transitions right now. Um, and so that's what I direct my prayer to. So if you end up with it, then you, you'll just see all the things that uh, I try to be as detailed as possible. When you're wanting to pray for somebody, if, it's just, if I just said, uh, please pray for my children, I don't even tell you who those children are, or you don't know who I am, you can still pray for that. It's just it's going to be pretty vague prayer, right? Now, I realize also that there's going to be some things that we really want prayer for, and you're just like, I just don't know if I want to let anybody know the particulars. Well, just be as particular as you can so that they can pray for it, but that is completely up to you. And we have another thought maybe to uh, help some of those real sensitive type prayers, but, but be as, as, as foregoing as you can just so that the person's praying for you. Here's what I'd like for us to do. So you all have one of these. You can stick it in your Bible, right? If you have a pen, you could actually write on it today if you want to. Um, and, uh, but if you don't, then you just take it home and, and fill it out, or if you need more time to really think through what you would like to say. But once you fill it out, then I, I would just ask that you would drop it in one of these uh, cups that are at each of our communion tables when we come up here in a minute. Um, I'll go ahead and leave mine in there, but... Um, and then we're going to have a jar. And starting next week, not this week, but starting next week, when you drop in a prayer, you, you pick up a prayer. Okay? That's just the way this goes. You don't drop it in without picking one up. Okay? Because here's the thing is, is that I want you to pray like you would want somebody to pray for you. How, how is it that you want somebody to pray for you? I mean, you want somebody just to look at it and read it and say, well, that's, that's really nice. I'm, I'm glad Mike feels that way about his kids and then they're just off doing whatever. Or would you want somebody to literally actually pray and to earnestly set some time aside for a moment and just, it doesn't have to be long. God doesn't want babbling prayers, right? It's not the, the importance. It's, it's heartfelt prayers. It's people that really believe that they're communicating to God on somebody else's behalf and that they're trying to really be an intercessory intercessor uh, to that, right? But I think it would be helpful if we just remember just simply this. I pray like I would want somebody to pray for me. That's how I pray for them. Um, And so you, you pick up and you take is what you do. And we'll do this for the remainder of the year. We've, I feel like that when we start these kinds of things, I hate for them to just die, you know. And so I'd rather be the one who is in charge of a beginning and an end than they just kind of fade off into uh, ineffectiveness. And so let's do this. I think this year has got a lot of challenges. I think there's a lot of things going on with us. And so let's share our prayers with one another and encourage each other to pray. Uh, God's mercy has been magnified in you if you have somebody that is interceding for you. Pity the person who does not. And so we're going to create that. God's mercy also magnified in you if, he, if you are blessed with people who are protecting you. Um, and in particular, God. I want you to look at verse 12 and 13. 
We kind of looked at this already, but in 12, 13, it says, Then the men said to Lot. Now, these are men who were angels. They were sent by God to go and rescue the righteous people in this, this place. And the only righteous people that they could find was Lot and his children and uh, wife. And that's all that got out of there. He tried to get his, his uh, son-in-laws, which they, they weren't, marriage is different then. Okay, they were they hadn't established a home um, together, but they were betrothed to one another. And uh, but God tried to go convince his the son-in-laws to join them, and they just laughed and thought he was joking. But in verse twelve it says, "Then the men said, these angels said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, daughters, or sons, daughters, or anyone who?" You have in the city, bring them out to this place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people have become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And one of the things you'll remember is that Lot, when it was time to go, Lot hesitated, right? It says that he lingered in the ESV. It's like, it's like Lot wasn't praying for himself. He wasn't praying for his family. He was just not even participating in that. And, and he did not really want to go. He was dragging his feet on this whole thing. But fortunately for Lot, God's mercy is like this. His mercy was extended to Lot because somebody was praying for him. And his mercy was extended to Lot. In spite of him, whether he wanted to go or not, God was going to go get him and drag him out. God was protecting him. And so there's this protecting and pushing uh, or pulling or whatever you want to call that is going on in the midst of all of this. And I just think that that's pretty amazing. God's under no obligation whatsoever to, to bail out Lot in this way, but God does. Why? Because God is a merciful God. And so God sends these people. And let me tell you something. God sometimes sends angels. And sometimes he sends preachers. Sometimes he sends dads and moms and, and uncles. Sometimes he sends a co-worker. I mean, I don't know how it is that God does this. But God is constantly trying to show mercy to us and trying to get somebody to pull us out of something that is dangerous in our lives so that we don't do something totally stupid or be destroyed by it. And God's mercy is there. Lamentations 3.22. So God's mercy is magnified on this day. And it reminded me of Lamentations 3.22. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It's not just Lot that he is being merciful to. What we can we can trust in is that God is merciful even to us right now. Have you ever felt the pull of God? Maybe through somebody, maybe through a sermon, maybe through something where he's trying to pull you up out of the danger that you are in? That's the mercy of God working in your life. Trying to get you to come away from that. So God... He, has, he gives us mercies. 
because people are praying for us. He gives us mercies because he cares and he, uh, he's sending people to pull us up out of. And Lot and his family were rescued that day. And I, I wish, you know what I wish? I wish this story was a happy ending. But unfortunately, if you read the rest of the story, what you're going to find is that Lot's wife, what happens to her? They were told not to look back, to run for your life, trust in God, and she looks back and gets turned into a pillar of salt because she was disobedient. I wish that was the worst of it. But then Lot ends up becoming this drunkard. He just, he just soaks in his pity and everything else. His daughters who are corrupt because where did they grow up? Where did Lot let them grow up in the first place? They are corrupt and they end up uh, tricking their father and they sleep with their own dad and have his grandchildren or his children. Weird stuff. But the reason I tell you that is because, let me tell you, the mercies of God are upon you. If you have somebody praying for you, I know they're upon you. If you have somebody that's trying to pull you up out of any bad stuff going on in your life, you have the mercies of God on you. But what are you going to do with those? Because that's what, it, what really matters. Because Lot had all the mercies of God being shown to him, and he looks like he was being rescued but he never let the mercies of God actually transform him. He never yielded to them. And the same thing can happen to us. But let us just focus today on the mercies of God and be thankful that they're there. And let us, if, if he wants us to respond right now like he's trying to pull us up out of it, let us humble ourselves. Let us see how fortunate we are because they don't have to be there. We don't deserve that they are there. So let us respond to them and be encouraged by that. Let me read one passage and then I'm going to pray. And then Greg is going to come up and lead us into our communion time. But in Jude chapter, or not chapter, there's no chapters because it's so little. But in Jude verse 17 through 21. See if this doesn't ring a bell in our society today. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Do we have any of that? It, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people. That's what they cause. They cause worldly people. Devout Devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Two things that it points out right there at the end, right? is that the mercies of God come upon us and let's wait for them. The other thing is, is let's show them. Let's show others the mercies of God. So our, his mission is to show mercy upon people who do not deserve it. Our vision is to participate and to look for opportunities to extend this mercy on God's behalf. Let's pray.
Father God, we uh, thank you so much that we have this opportunity, Lord. The opportunity to receive your mercy and to know that you are granting us mercy. Thank you for the mercy that comes from you. We also thank you, Father, for the opportunity to express your mercy, to be one of these agents, to be one like the angels who are, who are working at trying to pull people up by, to be agents, to be people who are introducing mercy into other people's lives, to show them your kindness and your compassion, to be used by you to actually rescue people. We thank you so much, Father, for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.